I'd just like to remind you that this is a listener-supported podcast. Should you wish to subscribe to the membership feed, please go to thehistoryofpodcast.com and click on the PayPal subscription button. Hello and welcome to A History of Hannibal, episode 75, Into Africa. Last time we had a very long quote from Livy, which explored the debate between Fabius and Scipio about whether or not the Romans should invade Africa, or if they should focus their attention on defeating Hannibal in Italy first. Scipio carried the day, and he prepared his campaign. Since we are very nearly finished with the war, I'm going to stop breaking it up into big chunks to tell it narrative by narrative, and just cover everything together. This isn't going to be as complicated as it might seem, since the Spanish, Sicilian, and Greek theatres of the war are all over in our narrative, at least to the point that they should be in our narrative. For instance, there is a very small revolt in Spain in 205, but it was crushed within a few days, and we don't really need to trouble ourselves with it. This should make the process a whole lot simpler than, say, it was five years ago. We only really have to deal with Scipio's invasion of Africa, Hannibal lurking in Brucium, and Margo's invasion of Liguria. Scipio promised that the invasion would not cost the state anything, and so he called for volunteers and asked the Allies to supply the material for the ships. This they did, and 45 days after the first tree was chopped down, Scipio set sail for Sicily, with 30 warships and 7,000 volunteers. Meanwhile, the other consul, Licinius, advanced into Brutium to join the two consular legions, taking over one while leaving the other under the control of Metellus. While all this was going on in summer, Margot made his landing in Liguria with 12,000 infantry and 2,000 cavalry. He managed to catch pretty much everybody off guard with this, and managed to capture Genoa. He established himself in the region, but sent his ships back to Carthage to protect the coast, hearing rumours that Scipio was planning an invasion. Gauls began to join him, which really freaked out the Senate. The proconsul, Marcus Livius, was told to advance north from Etruria with his army of slave volunteers, and he was joined by Marcus Valerius Livinus, who took the two city legions from Rome. Nothing else really happened in Brutium for that year, other than an epidemic which was ravaging Italy. So, Scipio. In Sicily, he was preparing himself for the upcoming conflict. He assessed the troops. He was, in particular, very eager to use the veterans of the Siege of Syracuse. Scipio was already making plans for the capture of Carthage, and felt that their experience would prove invaluable. He also set to work improving the fleet, and used Lilius to make raids on the African coast. This is the first time the war really affected Africa, and there was a tangible drop in Carthaginian spirit. When combined with the loss of their Numidian allies, and that Hannibal hadn't really done well anything in years. They were very pessimistic about how the war was going. Scipio set himself up in Syracuse and managed to calm the situation down, 
Things had been quite tense, since the war had been brought to a close there. With there being plenty of arguments about property between the Syracusans and the Italians, but Scipio acted fairly and was able to please all parties. It was really not hard to see why the Romans of later generations were so obsessed with Scipio. He seems to have the Midas touch. Meanwhile, in Carthage, people were beginning to panic. They sent envoys to Syphax to regain his alliance. While Scipio had won him over when meeting him, it didn't appear that he completely flipped him over to the cause. Massinissa told Lilius, while he was raiding, that Scipio had missed the perfect chance to invade. Syphax had been occupied with his own territory, and the Carthaginians were panicking. They had even sent messages to Philip in Macedon, promising 200 talents if he invaded either Italy or Sicily. Lilius returned to Sicily to update Scipio on all of this. Scipio valued the views of Massinissa, and his troops were ready to attack, but they first had to deal with something in Brutium. Locri. Locri was one of the towns which had defected to Hannibal, but in these sorts of situations, there tends to be two factions, a pro-Rome faction and a pro-Carthaginian faction. The pro-Rome faction had been forced out of Locri, and one of the prominent Locrians was living in Regium. Now, a Roman raiding party had managed to capture a few Locrians, and, by chance, some of these had worked on constructing the new Carthaginian defences, and the prominent Locrian in Regium recognised the man and told the Romans. The Romans were suddenly hopeful they could use this information to recapture the town. They launched a night assault, which caught the Carthaginians completely off guard, and, in the panic, they fled to the citadels, despite easily outnumbering the Romans. Over the next few days, the Romans and Carthaginians fought battles in the town, gradually increasing the size of their forces. Hannibal decided to go and help the Carthaginian effort, which caught the attention of Scipio, who raced to the scene. The Carthaginians tried taking back the town, and pushed on once Hannibal arrived on the scene. The Romans then pushed them out of the town, catching Hannibal completely off guard. His shock deepened when he realised that Scipio himself was president, and he retreated to his camp, and left under the cover of the next night. This completely freaked out those Carthaginians in the citadel, and so they escaped that night in the confusion. The Romans recaptured the town. Scipio gathered the townspeople and criticised them for defecting. The leaders of the revolt were executed. Scipio then set off, but the situation quickly disintegrated. It started with the troops stealing from civilians, and soon the troops attacked their commanding officer, leaving him half-dead in the street. Well, that escalated quickly. Scipio settled the matter and left for Syracuse. The commanding officer treated the Locrians brutally after this. The Locrians then complained to Rome, who punished the commanding officer. Some wanted to punish Scipio, too, for his involvement, but it was decided that this was just absurd. It's an incredibly strange account. While all of this was going on, there was an epidemic breaking out 
in the south of Italy, with both the Roman and Carthaginian forces being ravaged. Licinius wrote back to Rome, recommending that Metellus's army should be disbanded before it destroyed itself, while Metellus was to be named dictator to preside over elections. The Senate agreed. There was also some interest in the religious sphere. We haven't really looked at it at all since way back in episode 3, but the Romans had been consulting the Sibylline books and inferred from them that they needed a new god if they were going to win the war. So, after checking with the Delphic Oracle, the Romans went to Pergamum in western Anatolia to bring a rock back with them. This stone represented Cybele, the Great Mother. She would become a very important goddess and a significant addition to the Roman Pantheon. While they were away, Metellus held the elections. Marcus Cornelius Cethegus and Publius Sempronius Tuditanus were to be chosen as consuls. They were given command in Etruria and Brutium respectively as the war entered 204. Scipio had his command in Sicily extended, as was Licinius for his operations against Hannibal and Livius and Lucretius for their actions in the north against Margo. Now we must head over to Africa. The 205-204 winter was a tense one in Carthage. They had been expecting an invasion, and so they spent every day watching the coast for signs of Scipio's fleet. But they did have one piece of good news, thanks to Gisco. Now, I've been calling Gisco Gisco solely to avoid confusion. There were two Hasdrubals with command in Spain, Hasdrubal Barker and Hasdrubal Gisco, but this is the first episode where we've really talked about Gisco after Hasdrubal Barker died at the Metaurus. No source really calls him Gisco, he always gets called Hasdrubal, and since we can't confuse him with Hasdrubal Barker anymore, I'm now going to swap to calling him Hasdrubal. So, just remember that from this point, when I talk about Hasdrubal, I'm talking about Gisco. So, just what did Hasdrubal do that was so good? While Syfax had sided with Scipio when he and Hasdrubal courted his favour, but when Scipio returned to Italy, Carthage was able to resume its courtship. By promising Syfax that he could marry Hasdrubal's daughter, he brought Syfax back to the Carthaginian side. Hasdrubal also convinced Syfax to inform Scipio of the marriage, worrying that without this coming from Syfax, Scipio would be able to flip him back once he returned to Africa. Scipio was quite upset, and he sent a messenger to Syfax, asking him not to betray their friendship. He was worried about the possible effect on morale with his men, who knew that the Numidians were there. They had been all over Syracuse. So, Scipio lied. He told his men that the Numidians had asked him to travel to Africa with all speed. So, since things were just about ready for the invasion, he moved to Lilibium on the western tip of the island. Lilibium isn't as large a city as Syracuse, and so they filled it, both the town and the harbour. Everyone, none more so than the veterans of Kanai. They would finally have the chance to make amends for that disaster. How big was the invasion force? Well, that's quite a tough one to answer. Livy offers a variety of estimates and then says he can't work it out so he isn't going to give a figure. That won't do for us, though. I'm therefore going to use the calculations of Dory and Dudley in their book, Rome Against Carthage. 
Livy writes that Scipio took two legions made up of the Canai survivors. This gives us a force of around 10,000. They then assume that the invasion would not have been entirely made up of legionaries, and that Latins and Italians would have been involved too. Armies were usually divided 50-50 between the two, so this increases the number to 20,000. When you take into account Allied cavalry and the sailors and marines, the number gets up to around 30,000, which is the figure I'm going to go with. Figures are generally between 10,000 and 35,000, so this would fit. The boats were equipped with provisions for 45 days, and would be commanded by Scipio's trusted admiral, Lilius. The passage was, aside from a small incident with some fog, trouble-free, and the Roman force landed at Cap Bon, the eastern end of the Bay of Tunis. This terrified the local population. They had never known an invasion before. It had been 50 years since the attack of Regulus. The Carthaginians didn't have an army to defend themselves with, and they were also worried by their leadership. The most established general they had was Hasdrubal, but they couldn't forget that Scipio had bested him in Spain. After one sleepless night, they sent a force of 500 cavalry out to see what Scipio was doing, worried that he would immediately launch an attack on Carthage. They found that he had moved inland to occupy some high ground while moving his fleet to Utica. Scipio easily forced back these Carthaginians. He then received a very good piece of news. Massinissa arrived with a force of Numidian cavalry. There are two competing versions of what Massinissa had been up to in Africa, either that he had joined the Romans in a position of power as a ruling monarch with a force of around 20,000, or that he had experienced domestic trouble and had been in hiding, joining Scipio with a force of only 200. I'm not really in a position to say which of these is the most likely, but Livy writes that given his understanding of Numidian history, which I'm not going to go into here, but if you are curious, you can find in Livy, Book 29, Chapters 29 through 34, that it makes more sense to think that he had a smaller force rather than a larger one. I'm going to trust Livy's judgment on this. That is where we're going to leave things for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can find more like it online, either at the website, thehistoryofpodcast.com, where you can sign up for membership, at facebook.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast, or on Twitter, at historyjamie. You can also send me an email, thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com. I'll see you soon when we continue Scipio's invasion of Africa. <laughs> <laughs>